keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everybody to Wrestle Roasts. Uh, our, our episode will be coming up in a second. Uh, we recorded our episode yesterday, the roast of Scott Steiner. I actually was not hosting. Mike Lawrence was hosting. I needed a break. Still on the episode, just switched it up a little bit. The reason that you're hearing me now though is uh, today there were a new round of WWE talent cuts and close to 20 wrestlers and i don't know about personnel i think right now it's looking like i know greg hamilton got fired last week but they, they did cut a couple of personnel they, they cut some front office staff uh marketing um and and someone on uh a creative liaison so they, they definitely did some some business cuts but uh this was wwe fucking with us because we went ahead and recorded a day early and thought there's no way there's going to be a major news story that's going to happen. Well, you had an interesting theory as to what what, what these what your theory about the cuts are. So yeah, so this I mean this is I've talked to a couple of folks on this, but a lot of this feels like some of these some of these cuts feel very strategic positioned against Triple H. Uh, that there is that this is like WWE's succession, and with with Hunter sidelined and marginalized, this is an opportunity to get rid of a lot of talent that were hunters hunters people um and and when you look at the list i mean there's a there's a disproportionate amount of talent that came from triple h wanting to sign them or bring them up or do something with them uh that would you know including keith lee uh mia yim scarlet uh carrying cross frankie monet ember moon uh oni lorkin these were all hunter guys in nxt or people he was excited about bringing in and they're all gone in one foul swoop and this is uh this is a pretty surprising collection of of releases given how much time and energy they've spent on uh on establishing these talents and and they they were a lot of them the core of what nxt was uh before 2.0 and talent that, quite frankly, we thought were can't miss. So it's uh, it's genuinely surprising to to see a, a fair number of these cuts. A couple of them not overly surprising. Seeing like Grand Metalik and Lindsay Dorado, I know they've been looking to to get out for a while. I was surprised to see Nia Jax go. I thought for sure she was going to be a, a, a lifer at this point, unless they really didn't like what happened with her and and Charlotte. Um, also su surprised yeah. to see Harry Smith when they were working so hard to bring him back and then, uh, just to see him, him leave. Um, yeah, that one just sucked. Cause it's like, that guy didn't even get a shot. He didn't like, get a he, shot and he was he so, he's such a good talent. Even. Yeah. 
Um, sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And I think, you know, Keith Lee and, and Karrion Cross are going to be the, the headlines here for, for the most part, because they were the, the two people from NXT that everyone felt were, were can't miss. And uh, now, now they're gone. Um, and obviously, Keith Lee's going to go to AEW and uh, Karrion Cross is going to go to Impact. I think almost like, those are the, don't, the, 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 I know that the, it's like, I know for a fact those two guys are landing there. I don't know where, where Karrion Cross is going to necessarily land just because he was in Impact and it depends on what, what uh, terms he left on and how uh, how good those were um the the market right now is is insanely flooded with really good talent it's, it's flooded but like the one area aew is is really lacking in is in like black star power they just do not have what wwe has right now right and keith lee is a very smart free agency buy for them I, I think Keith, Keith Lee is a. Fa- I, I think if they can pick up, they have an opportunity to make some really strong strategic pickups here. They being AEW, um, I think if they can pick up Keith Lee, what's what, what's combined? Yeah, actually, let's do let's combine that and then the Ring of Honor cuts, and let's see. Like, if you're AEW, who do you pick up right now? I think the I think the first thing Tony Khan does, he picks up the phone, he calls TNT and TBS, and tries to get another hour of television. I genuinely think yeah. this is the impetus to get whether it's another hour of rampage or honestly, because of the deficiency that AEW has um, when it comes to garnering a younger audience, there's no reason they don't have a Saturday morning show. That was a staple of WWF television. Yeah. Having this, I mean, the weekend I, I, syndicated. Why not? Pick up, a, get, get an hour on TBS or TNT for, for more talent. You you have an opportunity for as AEW to I mean absolutely blow your roster out of the water when you consider that that Strowman hasn't signed anywhere, um, Bronson Reed hasn't signed anywhere. I know they're thinking they're going to Impact, but you never know. Obviously, Bray Wyatt has. I think Bronson is going to Impact. I mean, that's where they seem to be directing it. But at the same time, they have that weird relationship where they go back and forth. But I I think if you can pick up Keith Lee and Mia Yim, because Mia Yim is an instant upgrade for their women's division that's that's another big name and it's an easy slam dunk i don't know enough of her work to tell you whether or not i like me or not i mean obviously i can't judge anything about retribution i i like some of her matches nxt but she was she was always still i mean there was still a lot of people who whose matches i like watching a lot more um but sure but you but to have someone that has name recognition and, and presence and is a talented uh, hand in the same way Ember Moon is a talented hand. Yeah. Um, and Frankie Monet was a surprising one because you've invested a lot of time with her in NXT and being John Morrison's wife. It's just, well, that's just totally age. I mean, that that's just a total age, but I then mean, don't bring her in. I mean, she's, it doesn't she, make any sense. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and I think it, it, also, I think that like the direction that NXT and WWE were headed, she actually fit, fit really well into it. Um, I, but I, yeah, she did. She age, was an interesting age. No, she was an interesting character. Yeah. I mean, which is what they want. Like she was like, if Lacey Evans worked, you know, 
Exactly. Um, I think it's the, and then it's strange to look at a lot of the names of people who didn't get cut, like Jackson Riker is still very much part of the WWE. I mean, he's, he's my probably pick for worst wrestler of the year. I think he's definitely up there, but it's just, it's hard to justify. Yeah. We can't do anything with Keith Lee, but we can do something with Jackson Riker. Um, or, or we can, we need to keep Elias, but we can't keep carrying cross. There are certain guys you can take multiple opportunities yeah, well, maybe, to try to rehab them. Look, we're, we're, we're talking about this at seven forty-five. Like this could easily, there could be more people added to this list. There, there could, I'd be surprised if there's, if there's more, unless it's just more lower level NXT cuts. And there was a number of NXT cuts of guys where I can't really speak in any great specificity. I was surprised to see BFAB get cut since they just brought her up to SmackDown. Well, it was just so bizarre to me is why spend all this time rehabbing the Keith Lee character, you know, like with Karrion Cross, at least like you didn't really rehab anything. You guys just like, kind of put a mask on him and then took some shit off and then he gave up but like with keith lee they like you know they like dusted him off they brought him back again they gave him a new they gave him a heel turn i mean it was just like you know they gave they, they gave him the whole wwe treatment and they didn't even like they weren't spending enough time to see if it was working or not you know it doesn't seem like it i mean here's the thing is i have not seen like a Bearcat Lee match. I don't think it's since I've been back. I think I even mentioned on Raw. So I don't know if he was like just not getting over, but it seems like pretty. It, 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 <laughs> to cut bait this early seems pretty crazy. I think the problem that Keith Lee had and the, that, the, that he always had was he was definitely a hunter guy who saw the talent in him. Whereas to Vince, Keith Lee was overweight. And they, they, when they sent Keith Lee along with Otis and uh, Omos to go learn how to work like big men, when Keith Lee's been around the indies for a very long time, it was a clear indication that Vince just didn't get what made Keith Lee special. And when he was in NXT, he was very special. And they, you, the whole point of NXT is to develop the character. So when they come to the main roster, it's a seamless transition. But Vince can't get out of his own fucking way sometimes. And he can't accept the fact that NXT is his company. And if you create these guys and you fully form them, then you can transition them from NXT to the main roster. And there's no friction. But all he does is create friction. You take Keith Lee, you screw with his music, you screw with his gear, you ah, take Karrion ah, Cross. Sorry, guys, one second. And my, uh, Dan's dogs did not Mike, get uh, cut. Mike's going to step in and uh, join you. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up? So just yeah, to put a bow on my sentence was uh, you, you take Karrion Cross, who was a fully formed character in NXT with an entrance and a manager and everything, and then you bring him up to the main roster and you make him a Viking. Uh, or gladiator it's just it's illogical and you set these guys up to fail uh mike who's uh who's jumping in now mike uh what what is your thoughts on these releases um a tale of two cons (laughs) that's really it man i mean one one con giveth and one taketh the fuck away (laughs) i mean this is uh that's i mean that's what it feels like i think that you know, under, I, I mean, we've never 
never had this level of uh, talent purgings uh, this much in one year. I don't think, you know, you're no. used to like the, the post mania, get a, rid of a few guys, but I mean, this is the insane. point of, to the point now where this looks like, this looks like unstable in the other direction, you know, like it, it just looks like when you're firing this many people, it doesn't make your company look stable. I'm not saying you have to be like, a charity or anything like that but you know what when, when what you're basically saying is you're putting on display your creative failures you know you're like these guys cross this guy's keith lee we gave him tv time our system put work into him we rewarded them on our, our on our b show uh and uh yeah it didn't work out so all this work that we did just didn't work out so i mean there's a cool. yeah there's a dollar figure associated with every minute of tv time so it is it's a sunk cost and not even talking about like Eva Marie, where you spend all that money and all those video packages to build her up. But you spend a lot of time on some of this talent to establish them on your television to the detriment of other talent just to turn around and cut them for no real reason. And it didn't feel like you've used up all of your opportunities with these guys. There's there was plenty of chances to, to rehabilitate them and uh, move forward and, and rebuild them. And a lot of this talent was talent that audiences still really want to see. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I don't know. Here's the big thing. If, if I'm Grand Metalik in Lince Dorado, I make sure I spell John Huber's name right. <laughs> <laughs> you know because uh both jericho and amanda will come after you oh man remember when that was the biggest story of the week that was that was a little quaint 24 hours ago yeah anytime we don't record on a thursday something happens on a thursday <laughs> that's what i said to dan it's it's hilarious but uh i mean my my, my suggestion that, why did they get rid of bfab i just realized who BFAB there's was. so many there's so many weird decisions that they made there because you just move her up to smackdown fox was so was so excited to have hit row and then you uh you go and do that it's uh it's strange and the the market for a lot of these guys right now is not going to be terribly friendly just because with no ring of honor there's one less company to employ them um well that's i, I mean that's the question is who do you sign who do you get rid of if you're if you're WWE right now from Ring of Honor and AEW. Well, there's 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 three big companies in America besides WWE. There's, you know, there's uh, AEW, there's Impact, and there's whatever feud Cody has going on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's why I'm like, oh, God, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, they will, they will be sucked into that black hole of cody mediocrity like andrade and uh uh you know uh, malachi are there's no way cody would work with uh carrying cross right now he's just not he doesn't have enough heat for him yeah he needs like i mean keith lee he would definitely want to work with keith lee right now yeah oh yeah oh he no, would Ke jump at working keith, with keith lee keith lee would do great i i think there's there's a lot of opportunities for for impact and for AEW to make some really strong strategic pickups for their, for their brands um, to just boost their television. I mean, these are still major viable stars who are now going to have the sympathies of the audience. And we've seen in AEW how that translated with Miro 
with Malachi Black, even with Andrade, the audiences want to see what these guys have from a creativity standpoint. And when they've been given the opportunity to flex their wings, it's for the most part been successful and the audience has been really receptive to it. And that's been a huge success for AEW. All right. So Frankie Monet, Amber Moon, Scarlett, Oni Warkin, Karrion Cross, B-Fab, Jessa, Jesse Kamea, Zeta Ramir, Trey Baxter, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, Grand Metalik, Lince Dorado, Nia Jax, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Eva Marie, and Davy Boy Smith Jr. I mean, Nia is, you know, no pun intended, probably the biggest name. Uh, so pun intended, I guess, but it's <laughs> you know, it's crazy because it's like, you know, she, her and Shayna were on both shows. I mean, like a few months ago, it was the fucking Nia and Reginald show, which also... Shout out to Reginald for still being there. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie, man, he's still back, back, back flipping away from a pink slip. But yeah, yeah Naya to me. Oh, and wait, Mike, I want to add because I also want to add like these are the guys at, at Ring of Honor now who are also free agents, which are, and I'm just going to mention the ones that I think like people know, which are like Bandito, Beer City Bruiser, Dan Housen. Dalton Castle, Brody King, uh, the Briscoes, Dragon Lee, EC3, <laughs> Flip Gordon, Jay Lethal, and, you know, Tessa Blanchard, who wasn't even part of that. Is I mean, Jonathan was, Gresham on that list? Jonathan Gresham, Maria, yeah. Matt Taven, who I've never been a big fan of, but he's available now, uh, Mike Bennett, PCO, uh black taurus which actually i don't know he could be somewhere else right now shane taylor roosh it's it's amazing man it's it's absolutely amazing the amount of people that are not signed anywhere now there's so many free agents and and we're not even talking about guys like you know from other releases like ryback you know who are still around well ryback doesn't count yeah 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 i guess these are people these are people (laughs) fans want to see not uh not not ryback (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah but I, no, I, there's Bray and Braun and Buddy Murphy, and there's all these other guys that still haven't really, you know. And, and and Naya, and you know, Eva was on the first season of Total Divas, she was there from like the beginning, like her and JoJo were like the rookies, and then Naya was on a few seasons. So, so those two women they pushed on this other platform, too. I mean, like I said, I, I really do think uh, Naya is the one that deserves the most discussion because. They push the hell out of her. I mean, I think it's actually, I'm happy to see it because of all the injuries. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's long overdue, but were you guys shocked to see her name? Cause that's the one that pops to me. I thought she was never going to leave the WWE. I think there was enough people. She hurt in the past who were important and they they look the other way because of who she's related to and this go around they wrote her and even marie off tv within storyline they both had their arms broken by Shayna baszler with the idea being they're going to come back and seek revenge so there was motivation there and then you just cut them so again i don't know if it's because of what happened with her and charlotte and that's Dude, why they decided to be the biggest rib on charlotte ever they're just they're just like yeah the only the only person who wants to leave this company is not going to be able to leave that's <laughs> like that uh dax just of uh, ftr just tweeted i wish wcw would have won 
<laughs> oh, they wrote that. Yeah, that's what. Uh, yeah, that's what Dax just. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with, with Russo still at the helm. <laughs> yeah, I would that never, time Warner money. Yeah, I would never fire this many women, bro. <laughs> I also wouldn't let him wrestle, but I wouldn't fire him. No, Nia Jax would have been managing uh, Mike Awesome. And who is who? Who is a uh, Jeet Rama? Uh, G- not, 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 uh, not sure. I don't know. It's, it's not yeah. Shanky and it's not Veer, so I don't yeah. know. Um, there was, like I said, there was a couple guys that just from NXT that I, I didn't really remember them enough to be like, oh, it's that guy. And I just looked him up, and I still am not entirely sure who he is. Yeah. Uh, oh, he was Indian guy. Yeah, but he was 40 years old, so maybe that one makes a little yeah, bit that, of sense. that one makes a little sense. Honestly, yeah, that's the only one. Jeet Rama is the only one who makes kind of perfect sense. Well, it's also, it's like, without them doing as many house shows, they don't, they don't need as many people, right? Like, it always yeah. felt like, uh, you know, the JTGs, the, the, the writers, you know, Hawkins people that, even if you didn't see him a lot on TV, you know, when you have two different house show circuits because of the, the brand split, you know, they, they still have a purpose. Like you could use there, but now without as many of those, like definitely I'm never for firing people, uh, especially under budget cuts when you're making record profits. When they announced record profits today. Yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly it just, all signs point to them writing for a sale right i mean almost every decision they make i'm like well this is what a company does before they before they sell yeah, uh i, I mean this also feels like the current nick con direction that they're in if they do stay afloat yeah razor thin budgets pad out your roster with guys you have on nxt contracts that are making not a ton of money but some of these are just it's it still blows my mind to cut a guy like Harry and Cross who felt like a year ago this guy has has is the only person on the NXT roster who could main event at WrestleMania. And that was always well, I don't know about that. I mean Keith Lee. Well, I mean he was well, like Keith, in, Keith Lee could have, but I think I think Keith Lee came with more baggage in the eyes of Vince McMahon than Karrion Cross. Cross had the look, he had the physique, uh, he had the the mannerisms of what Vince looks for in a main event talent and don't fool yourself. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Keith Lee is a guy that could have gotten there as a, if there's two nights of WrestleMania, he could theoretically be a main event on there, but he would need a lot of convincing. Uh, he being Vince to, to justify putting Keith Lee in a, in a main event slot, unless the audience was rabid for him and WWE did everything they could to not give the audience a chance to be rabid for these guys. Yep. Yeah. And I want to use the word baggage. Uh, Keith Lee doesn't have more baggage than uh, Karen Cross. I think the proper word is weight. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be it. And then on top of which, it looks like uh, Kyle O'Reilly will be gone next month since they're, his contract's up and they're probably not going to. Yeah, I, w- I would not say Gargano is long for this world either, even though everyone's like, no, he's staying. I'm like, I don't know about that. If he, if he, if he weaves, that'll be the less, least surprising thing ever. I, I just, I, I don't understand what their ultimate goal is here because i mean dan you and i tried to do this on the uh i think it was the patreon we were talking about you know if you had to book mania who what are the clear matches 
And there's just nobody upcoming and exciting outside of Braun Breaker that you can kind of get behind. And even him was like, it was tongue in cheek a month ago. Well, yeah. I mean, you talked to me about that other guy. Um, oh, you know, Von Wagner. Von they think Wagner. he's going to be the next Cena. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm watching him and I'm just like, well, he just kind of looks like a guy right now. I don't, you know, he kind of reminds me of that guy who went tough enough. Yes. Um, with like silent a, rage with like, yeah. I mean, with, yeah. yeah. With like, with, with, Hey, with, with better, with a better look than that guy for sure. But um, not great. So it's like, but Hey, look, I mean, like they're doing young and I think that that, that is the way to go. Like you do have to, you know, Wagner's 27, Braun Breaker is 24. I mean, that really is the future of wrestling. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think that losing Keith Lee is going to be – it's going to bite them in the ass. I think, but it's also yeah. – it's like, you know, they, they these guys become damaged goods too. Like, you know, Keith Lee a year ago or Karrion Cross a year ago were these, like, hotter, cooler – untainted guys and then he got that fucking face mask with carrion cross and a lot of things with keith lee <laughs> and, and it's, it's also it's just I, I i feel that you know as a big fan of aew and 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 there being certain aew performers i really love seeing every week it, it sucks because i don't i don't know how many of these people i want there you know we I, you, you gotta you know, the only one I, I think say, you have to sign whenever there's sign a person you have to sign keith lee that's the one guy you have to sign because, yeah especially because your company doesn't have a lot of like black man eventers you need to sign no. yeah keith lee that's about it though Every, everybody else you know it's kind of a you know, it's kind of a risk. I think, I mean, uh, you know, like how much, like I love owning Orkin. I think owning Orkin is fantastic, but you know, the one thing AEW doesn't need is another owning Orkin, you know, like no. he, they, they actually have a ton and that guy's, and that guy's incredibly talented, you know, but um, I would still be reticent to, you know, hire that guy. Hasn't hired that guy. It's funny. He's, he's 35 years old. And somehow looks younger than Alan Angles, who's uh, twenty three. <laughs> that guy's twenty three. Yeah, man. Alan, uh, Alan Angels is. 23. There are some there, there are some street miles on the dark uh, dark order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a dark order shirt for my pro wrestling crate. Did you send it back? <laughs> that and a Danhausen shirt. I was a little a little rough this month. <laughs> People well, love that guy. I, I actually I, don't know anything about Dan Housen. I, I love Darby. They gave me a Darby autograph, so that was cool. Dan Housen feels like one of those guys. It's like a like a very much a DIY kind of. He made his own grassroots fan base, and it worked. It feels like being a fan of Guar. Yeah, you know, or Gallagher now, or Gallagher now. I would go see a Gallagher two show. Yeah, <laughs> just 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 for the bitterness. I mean, it's just, I, I feel like, uh, you think Nick Khan is the most beloved employee Vince has ever had in Vince's eyes? Uh, because he looks at him as an ATM, yeah. Yeah, but just also that, I, I feel... I legitimately I do don't feel think Vince like Patterson Nick passing Khan. and him being, you know, but Patterson passing and him being somewhat of like, 
you know, the, the heart of the company, a, a guy that is pro pro wrestlers. And it doesn't feel like you have that as much like someone who can talk about these performers as human beings to Vince. I mean, you know, the, the problem with the pro here's the big problem, man, is that like all the firsts that Vince really cares about, uh, AEW isn't getting, but other sports are like UFC just announced that it was like the fourth highest, uh, UFC, you know, you MSG show in history, in history, you know? So yeah. like, it, like, like Vince sees that and he's like, shit, I'm becoming irrelevant and, you know, I think I think seeing I, I think like he he wants to be he wants to be splashy. He wants to, you know, he he wants to, you know, be the cool new thing. And it's just wrestling isn't that right now. Yeah, but it, it, I think it ebbs and flows. And, and to Mike's point before about the damaged goods of, of Keith Thier carrying cross, there were no more damaged goods than Roman Reigns for the better part of the last five years. That that guy seemed like there was no way to turn this around. The crowds didn't like him. They they didn't like his matches. And the WWE found a way. So they, they can sneakily reinvent guys and, and fix them. And you, you know, I mean, the, the prototypical example is Steve Austin. Austin came into WWF as the ringmaster and it was a, it was grim death and you gave him a chance and he turned it around, which is why I just think just specifically as it relates to those two guys, I don't know what benefit you get releasing them unless your goal was just to be trending. Um, I feel like Nick Khan is trying to pitch a succession reality show for the WWE. Because that's what this company feels like. And that feels more interesting than what I'm watching on Raw. Like, I want to see the the interplay of Nick <laughs> Khan standing at Hunter's bed while he's recovering from the heart attack. <laughs> and like, you know, what the doctors couldn't take care of, I will. And it's just, it would be awesome. Uh, that's coming to Hunter's bed, kissing him and leaving him with the list. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of, of Stephanie as Shiv. But then Triple H is Tom. <laughs> he's such a Tom. Oh, he's absolutely Tom. Yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, like Vince is Logan Roy, and he's like, I'm going to give you uh, NXT. That could be your thing to take over. Oh, thanks, boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, let's get to the normal episode. Have a good one. There you go. <laughs> hey, welcome to this week's Wrestle Roast. Uh, I'm your host this week, uh, Mike Lawrence. We got Robert Carpolis. Hey, uh, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't interested in making a pause. I'm like, if I say your names and people don't hear you, then they'll think you're dead. Um, uh, Scott Chaplin. Oh hell yeah! And uh, up, Dan Saint Germain is here and was like you know uh someone else host and i i will do it this week and you guys could make fun of me um so we'll we'll switch it up um it's it's, it's just i needed a break folks it's, yeah, yeah. No uh, coming man's up, covered in his dog's throw up right now yeah. <laughs> our, our, our next couple roast uh we have the roast of cindy lopper next week followed by the roast of randy orton uh so that'll be fun and then um, Patreon, we are watching World War III 1998. Uh, that will be available on Monday. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I want to say uh, fuck you, Dan, for picking that. But I picked uh, Triple H for Scott Steiner. 
for us to talk about this week, which was as big of a fuck you as you could give. Well, you say pick like you have a choice. If you're going to talk Scott Steiner, there's really only one match that Thank fits. You. Thank you. That's what I thought. But I still, I still feel bad because, you know, the thing you, you pick something like, oh man, I can't wait to see how the guys react to it, and then it's like, oh, I have to watch it too. <laughs> um, yeah, there was about there was about two thirds in that I was like, I, I actually don't even know if the match was as bad as its reaction. Like, no, it. no, it is that it is as bad, Dan. But yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll 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 talk about it in a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is our Scott Steiner roast, and we're gonna start off with. The bright side of Scott Steiner. Uh, Robert, how about you lead us off? What is great about Scott Steiner? Uh, I feel like I've been using this one uh, a lot recently, but he's still alive. So that's a plus. <laughs> he has beaten the odds. Uh, Steiner is he's an interesting character in the sense that he shifted so dramatically from the, the Scott Steiner that we first saw when he was when he was first coming out as a wrestler this clean cut all american coming from michigan uh amateur wrestler to what he evolved and became uh he he went the full gamut of of wrestling um and his as his work rate got lesser and lesser his promos became so much more outrageous and ridiculous that that became kind of the draw there was a there's a car crash element to steiner where anytime he was on whether it was good or bad you wanted to see it and you could think back to those those early wcw matches or some of the stuff that he did even in wwf before his return to wcw he was an athletic i mean genius the 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 frankensteiner move that he did was so memorable uh he was an interesting character and then became this really bizarre and, and unique amalgamation of a lot of shit in wrestling but he's one of the the last guys that's probably going to be around that that did wcw ecw wwf tna he had a career everywhere and was successful pretty much everywhere he went and that alone is a a testament to uh to scott steiner yeah, it's, it's funny that his body goes through the evolution uh in five years that wrestling did in 50 <laughs> he, he he starts out looking like a like a like a you know like a gotch or a, a fucking uh ed strangler lewis and then ends up being a fucking uh hulk hogan parade float it's it's amazing he, he man still because, is you know, I always big, talk though. he's still he's still pretty big like before he starts really juicing yeah and that's yeah i want to talk about that because yeah i'll, I'll go now um I remember, uh, you know, I've often said I, I was out for eight years. And when I came back, the most, I think one of the most startling things was Scott Steiner. Because I remember him as the guy that wrestled against the head shrinkers. He was there with the new generation and all of that. And then seeing when he came back in, in 2002 and, you know, then looking up the WCW stuff. Yeah, it's it's two different guys. Cause you know, it's like, like Shawn Michaels has two different periods in the sense that like, you know, there's before the accident and then there's after, but it's all Shawn Michaels, but like the complete transformation that Scott Steiner goes through. Yeah. It's like he, he got dropped into the Joker vat or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are less chemicals in the Joker vat, but it, it's crazy because it's like, I, I I haven't done enough research, but is there like a transition period where it's 
pretty clear that that's where he's going? Because I only remember the two different sides. It kind of started when he went back to WC. When he went back to WCW after he left WWF, he went to Japan. Um, and then he goes into WCW and he just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then was kind of this like quasi superstar Billy Graham kind of character and then just turned into guy who likes to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was going to say about the bright side is that the guy in both iterations is consistently entertaining. I mean, him with his brother, Rick, you know, man, when you see a Frankensteiner as a kid, that is a fucking incredible move. Um, you know, I, I, Dan, I think, sent me a, a clip of the, the Steiner driver, which oh, is Jesus. fucking brutal. Um, but, you know, and, and, and seeing him and Rick just like pummel jobbers. Uh, I watched a match around the time of Butch Reed passed of, of them versus Doom. And it is a fucking potato farm, man. Those guys beat the shit out of each other. And, and you see that athletic, highly, you know, legitimate um NCAA background that he has and then you know he goes from yeah like Kurt Angle to Goldberg um, but then like even when he is Big Papa Pump he's still fucking so entertaining and like none of the individual things make sense the nicknames are weird the chain mail is fucking bizarre the sunglasses are odd but all together it's such a fun package that it shouldn't work as well as it does and I think that's all because of his talent as a performer. I think we like him because it's like a creator character that made it, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, but it's amazing because it's like a wrestler who created a character over themselves. <laughs> he literally kept modifying himself and buying new uh, <laughs> patches. <laughs> what, do, what do you think about uh, Scott Steiner, uh, Scotty? Uh, I mean, in terms of the Steiner brothers, you know, I love Scott Steiner because I love wrestling. Uh, and then in terms of like Big Bad Booty Daddy, I love Scott Steiner because I love Botchamania. And, and, <laughs> and that's kind of how I see it. I, I choose to enjoy both sides of him because he doesn't really take it that seriously. And the things he does seem to take seriously are like fun aspects of it. Like, you know, uh, I'm not, I, I don't support hazing, but when it seems to be Triple H and Stephanie that you're hazing, it's kind of hilarious to me. I mean, he seems like he hazed the higher ups everywhere he went, as opposed to just the boys. Uh, I heard in WCW, they were genuinely afraid to fire him <laughs> because they were afraid he was going to beat them up. I mean, that's insane. What's that story <laughs> where like uh, Rick Rude just showed Bischoff his gun? He took him in the yeah. park. Yeah, and like a 7-Eleven. He was just like... Uh, Minnesota guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah and, then, and, it's, and it's important to remember that Eric Bischoff was like selling Ninja Star toys before that. It's funny you say that, Scott. Big Minnesota guy. It's funny you say that, though, Scott, that because TNA had to sue Scott Steiner for him to leave and got restraining orders and then still brought him <laughs> back twice. <laughs> Like that's how that's how much of a bizarre draw Scott Steiner is that you ha you have to be forcibly removed from a company by litigation and then they willfully bring you back twice. Didn't, didn't he just legitimately beat some people up in India while they were wrestling? Probably. <laughs> you know it's funny. Like he is alive, but 
he's one of those guys you talk about as if he's dead. Yes. <laughs> so, anything else, Scotty? I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. I mean, look, there, there isn't really a single match in terms of WWE. Like, I only knew him when he showed up in WWE after, like, what? He, he showed up, like, a year or so after the whole invasion thing. Yeah. And um, I thought he looked really cool, but also the way he delivered in WWE, it was like, oh, he looks cool to a detriment. He can't move. <laughs> yeah. But again, the Rick Steiner stuff, the stuff in, uh, you know, all the, all, all the Japanese matches that the clips I have seen, I'm like, I'm super impressed. I mean, the Frankensteiner, the wrestler he was, is, is one of the best in the ring for sure. What, what do you think, Dan? I, I, I had like kind of like a one dimensional view of Scott Steiner because I only remember Big Papa Pub. And then I went back and I watched this past week, I watched the, uh, match with Suzaki and Hase like they did at the Tokyo Dome at New Japan Starcade, which is kind of like a wild event. It was like match of the year and and it was incredible. I mean it was just incredible, incredible wrestling. It was like it was like the best version of you know like the American Alpha Powers of Pain or Authors of Pain. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's awesome. Um yeah so I'm I mean like I'm a I'm a fan man. I I, I uh I mean, I don't think, like, we had to watch this fucking Triple H match, but I didn't realize he was, like, he was, like, half paralyzed for this match. Like, he could hardly move one of his feet, and you can see it during the match. So, it's almost like, like, everything should be kind of graded on a slant with him because, you know, he gets a lot of shit for his WWE run, but, like, he really was beat up, man. He was super beat up. Yeah, and some of that's on him for, you know, I mean, I get it. The money's the money. It's on him for agreeing to do it, and it's on them for putting him out there still and not just fucking ending it. You got to make money. You got to make I – mean, you built yourself – you know, that's the thing is you build, you build yourself – you build yourself with uh, taking all these risks in your body, and then when it's time to cash in, you know, your body already wants to cash in. Yeah, and a body like that, I mean, at this point, it's meant to explode. Like, that's the only relief he's going to have is if he just explodes into a puff, you know? So he's just got to keep going, really, right? It, it, it is amazing because, yeah, he, he was given both, like, best match of the year and worst work match of the year, and he earned both of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has the most confusing stance on immigration that I've ever heard. What's uh, that? Which he said, I guess in a promo, he said, why does Trump want to keep out all the Mexicans? Well, who's going to cut the grass? Seriously, I mean, that's a legitimate question. Oh, God. <laughs> so Scott Steiner is the moderate Republican 2021 needs. I think that that was uh, Jeb Bush's official official policy. <laughs> it's just he, he, more, he was more eloquent with it. <laughs> Okay, so so real accomplishment. Uh, NCAA from '83 to '86, he uh, placed in the Big Ten, uh, a runner-up three times. WCW World Heavyweight Championship, World Television Champion twice, United States Heavyweight Champion, uh, Tag Team Champion uh, multiple times. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, yeah, Match of the Year with Rick Steiner versus Lex Luger and Sting at Super Bowl. Tag Team of the Year, 1990 and 93. Most Improved Wrestler of the Year, 
we have uh, Wrestling Observer, Best Wrestling Maneuver, Frankensteiner, 89 and 90, Match of the Year, 91, uh, with, yeah, uh, with Steiner versus Hiroshi Hase and Sasaki, Tag Team of the Year in 1990, and uh, Worst Work Match of the Year with Triple H. Um, and yeah, pretty much every company that this dude's been in, he has won titles, which is pretty fucking incredible. Did he? Let me see. Did he win in the WWE? Yeah, the WWF. He won, tag, he won tag titles. <clears throat> yeah, with Rick. Yeah. So, and I, look, I got to give the guy credit. Thing. Like, he probably, I mean, he probably went back to WCW. He looked at the roster and he's like, you know, these guys like Malenko and Ray and Eddie are, are breaking them, <laughs> breaking themselves in half and they're getting put in all the worst parts of the card like why don't i just put on a goofy wig and talk about fucking and then work like a tenth as hard you know yeah like, he went his, full disco inferno yeah <laughs> his version of the like fucking is his shinsuke guitar you know <laughs> oh man you want guys to get this road started yeah all right um scott you go first all right, thank you, man. Uh, uh, uh. Scott Steiner, an alarm goes off every time he walks out because his muscles still have the security tag on them. <laughs> he bleached his hair and looks like Cisco. If singing Let Me See That Thong was about borrowing a thong. <laughs> he once called Stephanie McMahon the C-word. Fortunately, the only C-word that hurts her feelings is when Triple H calls her China. <laughs> he debuted for the wwe during a matt hardy christopher nowinski segment that i assume had to do with nowinski confirming matt hardy's cte <laughs> he called himself the genetic freak so he could receive handicap parking uh, a lot of people don't know this the move is a frankensteiner but the person doing it is frankensteiner's monster <laughs> I'm dumb, right? His promo style is tough guy who accidentally reveals he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Every promo. Uh, this is more of a statement, but I think it should be pointed out. Scott Steiner wears tiny glasses because he has tiny eyes. I think that's important for you guys to know. That's the real reason. Uh, he gets his opinions from boardwalk t-shirts. <laughs> And finally, people make fun of the Steiner math, but it's really the Steiner English. That's the problem. It's, it's the English. His body is Steiner science, and his career is Steiner history. <laughs> That's it for me. Nice. Uh, I'll go. Uh, today, we're roasting Scott Steiner, the wrestler voted most likely to make Jerry McDivitt shit his pants if he testified against Vince. <laughs> Watching any of his matches should be a wellness policy violation. <laughs> I remember when he came back in the late 90s and something wasn't natural about him. I was looking at him and thinking, wait a minute, I don't remember him being a blonde. <laughs> We've roasted a lot of people that have taken steroids, but Scott Center is the first wrestler that is completely made out of them. His <laughs> piss could give you more muscles than milk. Uh, on the last Nitro, Vince bought the company and had Booker T beat Scott Steiner for the title. This would be the last time Vince would ever put Booker T over a roided up, quickly gassed champ that wasn't over with the crowd. 
<laughs> uh, Scott Steiner looks like the actual devil on Benoit's shoulder that told him to do it. <laughs> Show your family who's the big bad booty daddy. Holla <laughs> if you hear me. Uh, his three best moves were the Frankensteiner, the Steiner recliner, and calling someone a fat ass. He still can do one of these moves. Uh, him and his brother Rick were an athletic, incredible tag team, but Scott wanted the main event, so he took enough drugs until he looked like if Steve Rogers chugged a full keg of the Super Soldier Serum. <laughs> Genetic Freak, his real last name is Reich Steiner. Should have made him a Nazi and called him the eugenic freak. Oh, yeah, that was Heidenreich. Uh, he was a member of the main event mafia where the ages of all the guys were 45 to 55. They should have just called that stable the WWE's viewing audience. He says some really outrageous shit in interviews, which is surprising to people who think, wow, I really thought that adult man that wears chainmail would be more psychologically sound. <laughs> I love the chain mail because he looks like uh, he looks like if there was a stripper at medieval times. Uh, he owned a Shoney's because there's more money in feeding fat asses than there is in shaming them. <laughs> he ran a Shoney's, but it closed when no customer wanted to leave the mandatory thirty-three and a fifth percent tip. <laughs> also, why do we expect Scott Steiner to know math? He defies math. The ultimate warrior died at 54 and Scott is still alive at 59. There was a 0.00% chance that should happen. Finally, uh, he was banned from the WWE Hall of Fame in early 2015 for making death threats to Linda Hogan. Hulk is cool with it now and often calls uh, Scott and says, hey, if you want to still take her out, that's fine with me, brother. <laughs> Uh, that's it for me uh robert <clears throat> scott steiner's catchphrase was holler if you hear me it was also what jimmy snooker would ask to make sure the grave he dug wasn't too shallow <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying scott steiner was reckless in the ring but his entrance music was a literal ambulance siren <laughs> A lot of wrestlers took steroids, but the only way I can explain Scott Steiner's physique is that he ingested the mutagen that made the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to disparage Scott's mental faculties, but it's never a good situation when Rick Steiner is referred to as the sane one. <laughs> In WCW, the Steiners brought Missy Hyatt and their pit bull Arnold to the ring. But depending on how partying the night before went, it was hard to tell the two of them apart. <laughs> the Steiner brothers were such killers in the ring that Jim Hurd considered renaming them Eric and Lyle Menendez. Menendez. <laughs> Last time I take a joke from Johnny Carson. Uh, <laughs> Scott Steiner manhandled more unnamed jobbers than Pat Patterson. <laughs> Steiner called himself the Big Bad Booty Daddy which coincidentally enough was Dan's old AOL screen name. <laughs> Seriously, if you're going to call yourself the big bad booty daddy with a straight face, you need to at the very least have Scott Steiner's physique. And even then, you're still risking getting your ass kicked. <laughs> Here's my Scott joke of the week. But what a physique Steiner had. Scott Steiner is known for the peaks in his arms and the peaks in his liver enzymes. <laughs> 
When Steiner came back to WCW in 1996, his physique started to change because WCW's drug policy was bring your own needle. <laughs> Steiner's nickname was Big Papa Pump, which sounds like a character in a Smurf porn. <laughs> Come to think of it, his promos did sound suspiciously like Gargamel. <laughs> Scott's finisher is the Steiner Recliner which is also what Lex Luger calls his wheelchair. <laughs> I watched the debate between Chris, between Chris Nowinski and Scott Steiner. Steiner's incoherent ramblings about why the Iraq war was justified made me realize he was still more qualified for the job than George W. Bush. In TNA, Scott Steiner suffered a throat injury. They knew something was wrong with him and people were suddenly able to understand what he was saying. And in the end, Scott Steiner operated a Shoney's, which is way more fucked up than any joke I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, take us out. My favorite thing about Scott Steiner, by the way, is that he, he, he ran a Shoney's. And it closed. It closed last year. Because of COVID. But it, uh, if you, the commercial, I think, is still online. and He's hilarious in it. He's an unintentional <laughs> He's like, you can't get good food on the road. You can get good food at a Shoney's. You know? <laughs> worst Scott Snyder ever. All right, Goldie. That's my dog. Uh, that ambulance siren means Scott Steiner or someone's watching Dark Side. Uh, Scott Steiner or, or what if Pornhub had a final boss? <laughs> Scott Steiner looks like a statue on Epstein Island. He dresses like RoboCop's cock. He once went by White Thunder, which is something every indie promoter must provide Jake Roberts. His character is... His character is... What if the Godfather never left Minnesota? <laughs> he harassed Hulk Hogan so much on Twitter that TNA sick their lawyers on him. Sorry we can't pay you your money, AJ Styles. But we had to hire a team of guys to stop Freakzilla from tweeting that he's going to shit in Brooks' mouth. <laughs> he harassed Linda Hogan in the airport, so she called the cops and reported Stevie Ray. He looks like a tumor that grew on Ed Hardy. He's the only ass kicker who sounds like he could be Louis Anderson's aunt. <laughs> Scott Shoney's went belly up. Which is also how the homeless shelter found Ralphus's body. <laughs> he defeated the head shrinkers, the tag team, not the side effects Scott will live with for the rest of his life. <laughs> the Steiners lost the WWF tag titles under province of Quebec rules, which sounds like some lame shit Jacques Rougeau screamed to dynamite when he hit him with a bag of quarters. Province of Quebec rules, motherfuck suck. <laughs> he's been married 20 years how awkward is that oh my husband scott is a pro wrestler yeah he's the one who dresses like a dr seuss character and threatens to fuck everyone's wife so what are you guys doing for labor day uh, <laughs> scott steiner was what would happen if siegfried and roy raped their tigers to establish dominance the big bad <laughs> booty daddy made his tits dance faster than the Mexican busters at his Shoney's when he threatened to call ice. <laughs> and finally, the dog-faced gremlin is what Scott called his brother and what his brother called Missy Hyatt's clit. Oh. 
I don't know how proud of that last one. Nope. <laughs> it's not getting cut. All right. <laughs> the roast of Scott Steiner, everybody. Oh, man, that was fun. Uh, there we have uh, Ain't That Swell and Show in Hell this week. But let's start with Ain't That Swell. Steiner Math, you originally put this as Show in Hell, Dan. This is, to me, an Ain't That. This is fun. This is one of those things. Like, I actually got to see um, Matthew uh, from Botchamania recite this word for word live. Uh. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's one of my, it's not just like my favorite things in wrestling it's one of my favorite things ever like i watch there's a thing about scott steiner and sid it's like yes i know that like technically mjf or cm punk and roddy piper they're better promos than those guys but if i just like want to have like like fun and like some botchamania laughs i turn on either you know scott steiner or sid you know that's what i want to hear and this yeah, is no I exception mean- my my thing with this promo, the math promo, is I think he's in on it a little more than people give him credit for. I think it's like he knows what his character is. He knows what he's doing. He knows the fun that he's having. He knows that it's silly. And he's just leaning into it a little bit. Like, it, it's just hard for me to look at this promo as a, as a pure botch and not, I think, the work of avant-garde genius that it actually is yeah. well i just don't know like with show and hell sometimes i just go with like the most memorable thing not yeah i got you that's bad but yes you're right it's definitely not anything to be ashamed of that's the thing well, i always to me it's... Well, go ahead say, the, the one thing i always wondered about is how self-aware scott steiner actually is in a lot of this because some of the stuff he says comes across as uncomfortably earnest but then this promo is it's so laughable it's not like this was created by the the tna writing team who who sat there with an algebra textbook and and came up with this like he crafted this nonsense he memorized all these uh these numbers to, to some degree and and he delivered it with such clarity and seemed to be having fun doing it and it just kind of keeps going for like two and a half minutes and uh it's the most charismatic you've seen this version of scott steiner <laughs> And also, I would not be surprised if Vince Russo wrote this promo because it does feel like the math Vince Russo would come up with naturally. I don't know, man. I, I think it's I think it's a hundred percent big Papa Pump himself. And I I feel like this this promo more than most promos uh, is an argument in favor of unscripted promos and just letting talent go out there and do the fucking weird shit they do sometimes. <laughs> Well, they had a script, but it was impact, so they actually ran out of ink. <laughs> okay, all right, just just go with the math thing, Scott. Oh, so this would have been more like cornet to... math, where he's trying to figure out payouts. <laughs> now you are thirty-three percent on uh, twenty-two people that were in the building, and there were thirteen people in the building, and some of them were had limps. They don't count because they were sliding off that chair. They didn't pay for a whole chair. <laughs> and then he gets mad when he's charged for extra sauce at a Wendy's. Uh... <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, what do you think of this promo? You were, you were about to talk. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's a botch because he does fumble a bunch during it. And I think the reason it is so funny to people is because this time he's fumbling with numbers. And so it's more concrete to point out how, how badly he's fumbling. 
I think the numbers, yeah, he knew he was going to mess those up. But there's so many words that he trips over like every other Scott Steiner promo where it really, I mean, all of his promos are in some way this promo. It, he just, he starts out going somewhere and then he ends somewhere completely different and no storyline has progressed because of it, but we had a great time. I 100% agree with that. Well, I, 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 I'll say in some ways though, in, in defense of it's got, we still know what the main event of Sacrifice was years ago. <laughs> we still know that it's Scott Steiner, Samoa Joe, and Kurt Angle. I just think my favorite thing about this promo is that Scott Steiner thinks that if you think fat guys are attractive, you're one of those romance types. Oh, I love that. Uh, you're not a fatty. You must be one of them romance types. <laughs> it's like, well, there were there are a lot of romance types at Shoney's. Uh, <laughs> there, there are. Let, let's uh, move on to the show in hell. Oh. Uh, one of one of the most infamous matches, uh, Triple H versus Scott Steiner at the Royal Rumble 2003. Uh, the I feel like it was Clue. Was that? Like it was the end of Clue. It was <laughs> Triple H at the Royal Rumble <laughs> with Scott Steiner. With, with the sledgehammer <laughs> and the botched moves. Um, yeah, and this this comes right before uh, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. And guess what? You can still watch this match 20 years later. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, I forget. I didn't actually. I've never actually seen this Royal Rumble. Did oh, wow. did because this match, you know, this was obviously. I mean, we'll get into it, but it was there was no heat at all. It was it was so dead. Um, but did it pick up after this with the Benoit Angle match and the Rumble? Yeah, oh, dude, the Benoit Angle match is unbelievable. Like, Benoit so match is great, and then Brock wins the Rumble by eliminating Taker. So yeah. they give you so much good stuff, but the whole show was built around Triple H and Scott Steiner. Well, I, I don't know if that's true in the sense that the, the show opened and they did this. I don't think they've ever done this again. And if they have, you know, feel free to correct me. But the show opened with Brock Lesnar versus Big Show and the winner got to be in the Rumble. And they've done that on the pre-show, I think. They kind of okay, did that yeah. with Roman and Baron a couple of years. I mean, not like exactly, but they kind of did that. Yeah. And, and, then, and then, yeah, but this comes... It's funny because I, I thought that this thing was going to be like 10 minutes. And, you know, when you count the video package and all that stuff, uh, the match itself is 18 minutes. And then, like, all together, yeah, it's like 25, 30 minutes, man. It's fucking long. But the video <laughs> package was awesome. Fans. Yeah. Well, they're the best at that. Yeah, but this was one where they were – this was pure chicken salad. Um the, because the, the storyline going into this was this is when Hunter got handed the world heavyweight title yeah. that just got created out of nowhere. And then Steiner shows up because uh, Bischoff and Stephanie were both trying to sign him. And they he signs to Raw with the promise he's going to get a title shot. And then he has drop foot, which basically means his foot was completely numb. And they realized, oh, shit, we spent all this money on Scott Steiner. We brought him into the company and he can't wrestle. Um we're going to have to cover this. So the way they did it was all these homoerotic segments with him and Hunter, where there was an arm wrestling I challenge and a pose down and a push-up contest. It, it, it was trying to mask the fact that Scott Steiner was completely immobile and that Hunter was genuinely scared of him. And I think Jim Ross works harder in this match than Triple H and Scott Steiner. 
I, I do think, you know, after each segment, uh, Hunter did get more scared to be in this match. I think that is genuine. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, this is, you know, this was, yeah, when I started watching again, and I remember this is, you know, this is the reign of terror of Triple H that, that people talk about, where, you know, he beats, uh, you know, Kane and RVD, and then, you know, Michaels, um, you know, and then and then after this is Booker T, because I think he has a rematch with Steiner. Even he does, and yeah, Steiner like he does stick out. And then yeah, the foot stuff. It's funny. I didn't. I honestly didn't know that, but it did look like like something was wrong because there's multiple yeah botches in this where he. It's funny because what here's what's interesting. Him being a mobile and only being able to do two things, he stumbles upon the style Brock Lesnar would have eleven years later. Like this is yeah, the beginning of Brock Suplex City. Legs. Yeah, Asuka's Japan matches. Can you imagine though, like nineteen ninety three Rick Steiner against Brock? Oh my! Oh God. yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, but it's like like it's funny because dude, this is Suplex City, man. There's like ten of these fucking belly to bellies in here. Cause I think it's like the only thing he can do. And then he finally does one and he can't. And do you, do you think the DQ thing was always there or did a ref like, we got to fucking end this shit. If they were going to call an audible, they would have done it five minutes before that. I think it was yeah. always there. Yeah. No, they, they wanted to get more out of this. I think this was Hunter with his hubris. When I mean, you have flair out there knowing that that's his idol and Ric Flair prided himself on, I can get a great match out of anybody. Hunter tried to go out there and wrestle himself. He oversold. He flew. He flung himself all over the place. He made it seem like he was terrified. He bladed. He bumped like crazy. He did everything he possibly could to make this work. And I always laugh when, like, Kevin Kelly and a bunch of people always said Hunter was sandbagging Scott Steiner to make him look bad. No, Scott Steiner was making himself look bad here. And beyond just the foot, his conditioning wasn't there. He was he was blown up very early in this match. And, and at one point he goes for one of the, you know, the, the double underhooks and just falls. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. I mean, I think that some people, some people it's like Randy, like, do we all remember the day Randy Savage was just basically like, Oh, you're basically just a character now. You're not, you're not Randy Savage, the worker, you know? And I, I feel yeah. like Scott's you channeling Vince. transition. I know. I do sound like Vince. It also oh, man, Steiner like- on commentary would have been fantastic. Oh, that would have been amazing. Uh, so I, uh, I think, think like one match an episode. I don't. I don't know if you want two hours of that. Steiner's thong makes an appearance at the end too. <laughs> the crowd hated Scott Steiner in this match. No, what did you think of it? Uh, yeah, man, I'm not a fan of this match at all. It's uh, extremely long. Uh, for what it should have been and you know it's not necessarily a long match but triple h matches feel very long uh and also this was a time where i was watching wrestling consistently i was 12 years old and i was actively not watching triple h segments because they were that boring to me uh yeah I, i hated i hated this run i didn't like any of this shit that's it that's my take (laughs) (laughs) no man i i I, blonde hair scott steiner i have not liked a blonde hair scott steiner match other than the the botches you know 
Yeah. Well, this match is, the, is you can blame the fans for this match because Scott Steiner got such a big pop when Vince did his promo uh, when they bought WCW that he's like, all right, I guess there's a reason to invest in him. And he was one of the few names that you could bring in. And then in this match, I think the most over person was Earl Hebner. Uh, Hebner got a couple of pops, especially when he was going to disqualify him. The crowd was so excited to see this match end. <laughs> well, but then you have the sledgehammer spots, which they're the worst spots in wrestling because you always hit the guy in the damn stomach. And then when you go to hit him in the head, you do this weird way. You, no one would ever hold a sledgehammer where you like cover your hand over it, you know, uh, which is always very disappointing. Yeah, it's terrible because it also looks like it would hurt your hand. Like, oh, it's, it makes zero sense. I mean, it only makes sense in a, oh, this is fake and they're not going to actually hit someone with a sledgehammer, but yeah. Yeah, but why don't they make, pro I mean, why don't they home alone it sometimes? Like, why don't they get fake bricks and shit? I, I don't get that. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm just imagining Scott Steiner and Triple H as the Home Alone burglars, and that 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 sounds fun to me. What what did he do after this? He uh, he feuded with Christian. He feuded with Test. Oh Jesus Christ! Where he was? <laughs> oh, it was the and that was better because that was Test was being misogynistic against Stacy Keebler, and there's a great botch where Scott Steiner is going to rescue Stacy and falls off the apron. And just lands face first on the ground and then stumbles back up to go fight test. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever see. And noted intersectional feminist Scott Steiner steps up. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, all right, let's move on to Dynamite or Dud. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm, I'm tanking this hosting thing. You're doing great. You're doing fine. We can't also, hear your dogs. Did anyone see Sean O'Hare's? Um, weird like promo about god before this started i saw all, i i love that character man and I, I know a lot of people talk about like how it should have been more and and it totally should have been because it's like those promos were great he looked awesome and then yeah they just had him team with piper against like rikishi and snooka and it was fucking terrible <laughs> and then he then he killed himself did he kill himself, Shire? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Jesus Christ, that's that would that would I'm gonna check that because that would really suck if <laughs> I'm still alive, guys. Well, he's I'm definitely pretty, not still alive. He's definitely dead. I'm pretty sure it was. I think you're right. Sure. Yep, you're right. Ah, yeah, that's sad. Dude, I, I, ask me uh, who was in every match on the Dynamite I just watched. I won't be able to tell you. Ask me which wrestlers killed themselves. I'm your man. So you're auditioning <laughs> to be a producer for uh, Dark Side? <laughs> yes. Damn right. Uh, Is that, I mean, was he, like, he was basically just espousing Vince's real, yes, real, real views, right? I mean, Vince hates religion. That's his thing. Yes. This was, this, the Sean O'Hare was just Vince with the physique that Vince thinks he has. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? He, uh, he during the during his lifetime, he saw wrestling. He saw everyone realize wrestling was a work, and nobody's done that with a religion. So he resents that. Yeah, it, it's also. Uh, I mean, can you imagine Vince saying, "I'm not telling you anything you don't already know." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
Uh, so dynamite or dud. Uh, we are recording this Wednesday night. We all just watched this show. And uh, let's let us get into it. We open with uh, the first hour. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Alan Angels. The comeback return match that they all thought we wanted to see that we barely remember. <laughs> they were really hyping the hell out of this fucking thing. Was, were any of you guys excited? Like, ooh, it's Omega Angels too. Uh, no, but I, I I did like how they acknowledged, you know that 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 match during the pandemic pissed off so many people on the internet. You remember that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, it made people so angry, and I liked that after the you know the match was good, it was fine, it happened, it, it, I I enjoyed it. Um, but then after Kenny getting on the mic saying you ruined my career, it's like it's again affirming that he's let what the people on the internet have said ruin him. I mean, that's kind of part of what this whole storyline has been, like the way he would shit talk wrestlers, but he was shit talking himself, you know, um, the way people do on the internet. I think that's just part of it. It's just, it's showing you that Hangman is most likely going to win because um, Kenny has let everything get to him. Every little thing. I, I thought it was yeah, cool. and I, I did like that he ended with the V trigger. Like I like I do think that that should be able to beat certain guys. Yeah, but I didn't like that uh, five kicked time. out. Mm-hmm. What's that? Five kicked out of the V trigger the first time in this match. Yeah. Which I would I would I'm, the match was fine. I would have liked to have seen it end with like just establish that this dude has a finishing move that can beat the seventh most important guy in Dark Order. <laughs> well here's the thing is he even in dark order anymore because none of them came out with him uh well uh adam page made the save and he's kind of quasi associated with them yeah he's dark order for sure okay well maybe they showed up late maybe maybe evil uno got stuck at an arby's um <laughs> then we have uh, a quick malachi black promo we have uh cm punk uh just talking about John Moxley's alcoholism, which was a running theme of this this uh, night show. Uh, we have, um, you know, he talks about Kingston, and uh, we find out later uh, that on Rampage there's going to be a confrontation between Punk and Kingston. Uh, that sounds exciting. Then we have Miro cuts a promo about God, which is always fucking awesome because now Miro is taking Moxley's place against uh, Orange Cassidy. We have the uh, Christian and uh, the fucking the, like, the Jurassic Express. I guess they're still feuding two months later with Adam Cole and uh, the Young Bucks. So that's a thing. And uh, then we have uh, FTR versus... Uh, these guys' names are... Uh, Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol. Uh, one Cal- of these Calisto, was Calisto. Calisto. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hey. I understand he didn't have a great run to WWE, but the guy's a former United States champion. He's a former NXT tag team champion. Make a little bit of a bigger deal about the guy. Like, you, you don't have to, like, you can go out, you can be like, oh, this guy wrestled in WWE. And I, I don't understand why you can't say that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> It was funny to me. Well, I mean, they like, usually do. 
I know, but this just felt like why didn't they make this a bigger deal? Especially because they made because Kalisto fucking sucked in WWE. He didn't suck. <laughs> Kalisto definitely didn't suck you, in WWE. Kalisto yeah, was just, awesome in WWE. Dude, try to get try to get a good match out of fucking Ryback. He got okay, a good match true. out of Ryback. He got a good match out of a lot of people. The problem with with him was they put him in Lucha House Party and he was injured and he didn't get to do much. And then they kept him in like catering and he's like, why the fuck am I in catering? And they're like, cool, thanks for coming. This dude should have been the next Rey Mysterio. And AEW, if they snap him up, he could very well be uh, a Mysterio-type guy for them because he is a good promo and he's really good in the ring. Aerostar is very talented. And then they just kind of brought them in as luchadors for FTR to beat. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing. Um, he could be the next Rey Mysterio, but they already have a next Rey Mysterio in Phoenix. So they ended up being these afterthought there, there guys. There's more than that... one luchador, you know what yeah. I mean? No, so one... Phoenix Phoenix is awesome. I think Phoenix should be a main eventer. The problem with Phoenix that they run into is he, he can't deliver promos for them. So you're you're somewhat hindered in, in that regard. Better. He's getting better. He's, he was definitely getting better, but the, so you're hindered, whereas... Samurai Del Sol is, is a fully formed person today that you could go with in some capacity. Yeah, but you know, sh shame that Ray Phoenix can't cut the blisteringly great promos that Ray Mysterio does. I miss you, Eddie. Um, hey, wait, 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 but this match was fantastic, though. I, I didn't, it didn't yeah. feel like they were throwaways. I mean, it was just a great match. Uh, I, 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 I tuned out because... It's like they're gonna fight you, you the Lucha Brothers in two weeks, anyways. I know that you they're were, gonna. You were still fixated on Christian's uh, denim jacket. This just—I mean, this just felt like a warm-up match for the match I actually want to see, and I didn't need to see it. Shame uh, on you, man. Yeah, I mean, I, feel, I thought it was really good. I—I I, I just think those guys are really good. Yeah. And man. then we we end the hour with uh, the Inner Circle and American Top Team. Um, a lot of great, brilliant, witty jokes from Chris Jericho. Uh, thank I, I well, genuinely I mean, look, thank, thank, thank God he didn't release the statement on John Moxley. Let's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> just let's just go. <laughs> I think I think he's the reason John Moxley realized he had a problem. <laughs> It's just, but, he, he's what he's like literally singing what have i become <laughs> what have i become um, now that i became uh hey, I, had two, I had two daughter, notes feels a lot of shame i had i had two uh, notes which is dan lambert is great and then dan lambert may suck and i never know, <laughs> i never know after a dan lambert promo i'm like was that good or did that suck scott what do you think of dan lambert uh, no, this this really sucked to me. I, I didn't think it was very good at all. Right. It just didn't connect. I mean, the, the most I, dominant I over person mind. was Paige Van Zant. Yeah, like I feel well, like I mean, she could easily time. take out the inner circle, dude. Since what a month and a half ago? This is dude. This feud made me walk around um, that tennis stadium where, where Arthur Ashe. I, yeah. I wandered oh, really? Arthur Ashe during during this feud's uh, segment on that rampage. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm just not crazy about it. Um, Jericho's really bummed me out lately, the way uh, the way he looks. <laughs> so what former WWE writer gave Jake Hager the, you look like Popeye? Like, what the, like, that dude. was like suffering succotash bad. Who? 
I mean, that was literally like fucking Joey Gladstone used to do a Popeye and always go on full house, dude. It was, man, him talking, it, like, you know, man, anytime Jake Hager talks, like, someone should send Dutch Mantel like a hundred bucks. Because, <laughs> fucking God, it, it's it's embarrassing. Um, yeah, my, my, my thing with this segment was uh, it was definitely too long. Um, I genuinely, the one thing I think Lambert does great and why I think you might think he's good is he sells those chants really well. He's really genuine. It's yeah, genuinely I think that may be the thing he does bad. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's entertaining when he's like, no, my head's not even that fat. I, I laughed. I, I thought that was legit entertaining. And then the way that he sold, how, like, I feel stupid because I genuinely thought that Paige was going to be in this match. And when it ended up being Lambert, I didn't see that coming. I'm sure everybody else did. Um, it and it made a lot of sense. And it's fun. Is it just hard? Is it hard? Because like right now you have the best who's ever done it, doing it on SmackDown. And, you know, like nobody compares to Paul Heyman. So like, whether it's, whether it's this dude, whether it's, uh, Callis. you know, Callus. Yeah. I mean, I actually think Tully sticks out, but it's, it's just really hard to stick out when you've got Heyman, you know, like doing Shakespeare in comparison on the next channel. Well, this was a much harder promo promo for them because they they had to shoehorn introducing who all the american top team guys were and what their personalities were this reminded me and i'll, I'll just give this to mike because at least he'll understand this it reminded me of when image comics first came out and they're like here's the young bloods and now we're going to explain who 35 characters are and now you have to care about all of them they just kept introducing all these american top team guys that i couldn't distinguish who half of them were when the guy that they told me was the most important one wasn't out there and is not going to be in the match. The Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, you 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 mean uh, Robert? Jorge Masvidal. <laughs> That's what I was nervous about this entire time. Or I was like, I, I was like, hey, are they not going to be able to pay off this? You know, pay off this uh, this Jorge Masvidal thing. You know, we got nervous about that when Samoa Joe was like Sheriff Samoa Joe, and then they actually. They actually did pay it off. Yeah, but if he's not in the match, then to me, that's not a sufficient payoff. I no, I, I, get I why agree. He's not I agree. It's not. That's what yeah, I mean. But who? Like, but that one dude's in the match, and he's he's a contracted UFC fighter, right? I don't know. Well, the those... guy with the teeth or something. Again, they they there was a lot of people out there, and it was hard to tell who some of them necessarily were. If we've seen them before, or we haven't seen them before. Uh, building up to this match, where uh, you know, I'm someone's gonna want to put Andre Ar- Arlovsky or whatever. He's yeah, dude, but he's I don't, like I don't know. Meltzer, so relax. He's, he's a UFC. He's, he's retired though, Arlovsky. Oh, oh, he's a retired UFC fighter. He's I'm contracted sure. to the UFC. That's all I know. I mean, I don't know yeah. what the contract is. Well, they but. said like the most fights and all like that. He's 42. Oh wow. Um, he's yeah, he's pretty old. It's also, it's just like the two things that, yeah, I, I took from this segment was, yeah, uh, Hager's never cut a pro, and the guy who married Paige Van Zant must have a great personality. Because, <laughs> dude, fucker married up. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah, kicked his coverage for sure. Yeah, and because it's like, 
it's just it's just funny too that like she actually does seem like a star. I, I feel like there might be even more money in just having Lambert with her in the women's division. I I think that's a um, transition to any of this crap. I think yeah, for sure transition to that. Oh, but WWE they, dropped the ball for sure, got, not snapping her up. They've only got three hours of TV every week. I mean, that's the big problem. Yeah, she There's could so be great stuff. on dark elevation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any any other thoughts on the first hour? Should we keep going? Well, keep what going. the punk thing is the first hour, right? Yeah. Were we saving that? Uh, probably no, below spot, but yeah, if you want to talk yeah. about it now. <laughs> I mean, I, I, okay, yeah, maybe we'll just talk about it later then. That makes more sense. We should talk about yeah. it last, right? Yeah, it's for yeah. sure my love spot. We could talk about it now. Yeah. I can just skip my love spot. Uh, yeah, we'll save it for love spot. Let's move on to exciting stuff like spot. Matt Seidel promos. All right. Let's <laughs> 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 that, that get to full sideshow Bob Rake. Uh, uh, man, uh, uh, then we have uh, Jamie Hayter versus Anna J at the 905, not 925 spot. We got uh, MJF cutting a promo on Darby, and then Darby runs out um, and stings there and all of this. Uh, then we have, um, oh, yeah, and, and Sean Spears and the, we got the pinnacle and all of that. Then uh, Cody Rhodes versus. Andrade El Idolo and FTR help Andrade win. And um, unfortunately, uh, Arn does not shoot Jose, <laughs> as, as we were all hoping. And then uh, Daniel Bryan comes out to do some commentary. Uh, oh, yeah, we have uh, John, John Silver uh, talks about how he's going to fight Adam Cole. Um, you know, who, who got like fucking concertoed earlier in the show. So yeah, now Silver has a chance. And then we, um, yeah, it should be John, John Silver and Adam Cole in a, which one makes Vince cry more match. <laughs> uh, and then we main event with Miro versus Orange Cassidy and Miro wins tapping out Orange Cassidy. And though that's your finals, uh, which are going to happen at, full gear for this tournament right we're gonna have yeah. uh Miro versus uh brian danielson uh It'll be amazing yeah what would you would you guys uh think of this uh scott yeah i i enjoyed this hour i loved the main event i actually really did like the andrade cody match i liked the interference it made sense to me you got the tully arn moment uh yeah this felt like a big let's push these storylines and get these matches set in stone. Uh, well, for the most part, other than the punk segment that set a match for St. Louis, I guess, in stone. Uh, but yeah, the main event really, really had me, man. I was, uh, I think Miro is not only a great replacement, but the most logical replacement. Um, he should have been in the tournament anyway. So it's all completely justified. And then you're getting a match that, you're just as excited for and maybe some people are more excited for so yeah that's a good um, save yeah Uh, you know considering the circumstances great yeah yeah i mean my favorite thing this hour was the the mjf darby i i think that this program has been i'm gonna say one of the best programs of the year i think that 
Both of these guys have delivered. Uh, every segment has delivered. I'm really excited about this match and the story they're telling of these two guys are the future. Um, you know, it's fucking great. So, I mean, I am a big MJF mark, but I, I think Darby's carried his weight and that fucking run uh, through the barricade and all that was awesome. This, this, this to me was a, a home run segment. Um, yeah, there, there were other things I liked. Yeah, I, I do think Miro's a good replacement. I would have had some reason for it, only because, like, the last time we saw him was losing to Sammy. Um, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do, uh, real-life circumstances. But he's still ranked. Uh, uh, I think he's ranked right after the guys in the tournament. Okay. That yeah. makes sense then. Uh, Robert, what did you think of this hour? Anything? It was, it was fine. The MJF Darby thing worked in some parts the thing that really let them down was bad camera blocking with what happened you you didn't know what was going on half the time when all the the mass darbies came out and then sean spears is on the stage with his chair but you're not seeing it you're just hearing it and the announcer trying to tell it to you and also just the thing when you're using extras for the mass darbies just use regular extras and not make it abundantly clear that griff garrison didn't have something else to do and was clearly <laughs> one of the mass dudes like that looked dumb. Andrade and Cody was a hell of a lot of fun. This is them. Griff Garrison looked like somebody who dies in Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> the, the girl at the beginning, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I liked Andrade and Cody, especially because JR had a great JR moment of saying, they say it feels like an Indian death lock. I can say <laughs> that because I'm, I'm Native American. Like he could just hear himself <laughs> getting canceled. And then, yeah, the main event was a hell of a lot of fun, especially when uh shivani and jr just start shitting on the nhl they're like we're going long we don't care like you can you can postpone your hockey game but we're giving you this match and it made perfect sense and and just to be the wwe guy when they did rusev and, and daniel bryan and like i want to say 2018 it was like a money in the bank match and smackdown it was fucking awesome like these guys are going to have an amazing match and it's going to be probably better than what there would have been otherwise because there's a clear baby face and a clear heel i don't know i still think moxley uh, brian is what i I think moxley brian is something you can build separately i just think that the story here is so easy to do and it also fits the the brian profile here of facing guys who have motivation to win the title and crushing their dreams that's what he did to Dustin. Uh, it's what we saw him do to Kingston. And now Miro on this whole, you know, God needs to prove himself to me and I have to prove myself to my wife. And then Brian takes that away from him. It just makes it even more fun. Unless Miro's going over. Unless Miro goes over, which is a fine audible and he's a good yeah. first program for uh, Hangman. Hangman. Yeah, my, my favorite line in that, in that Cody match was... Uh, I think one of them's like, oh man, the three, the three amigos. And then like JR's like, it's always that third amigo that gets you. <laughs> Dan, what did you what did you think of this hour? Uh, you know, it made me just think of how many good dynamites there have been in a row. And this wasn't that great, but it's a testament to like how good dynamite has been. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about Jade Cargill in the in the TBS tournament. I think just give it to her. Um, even though Thunder Rosa, I, I think is great. I, I, I just feel like a good way to get that on the time. I, I don't know. I think she'd be a good first pick. Um, over yeah, Ruby I mean, Riot, what over yeah, like I, Ruby Riot, who's come in and needs some kind of no, I would Ruby rather, Soho, sorry, dude. No, I would, I would totally rather go with Jade Cargo, man. She's younger, she looks 
totally different than anybody else that I've honestly ever seen in wrestling. Um, I, I, I think you call an audible and uh, you give it to her. Just see what happens. I don't know. But am, I, am I on an island here? No, I agree with that, actually. And I think that I, I don't think that there's money right now in, in Cargill feuding with uh, Brit. You know, I, I think there's more in, in Ruby getting some kind of revenge at some point. Uh, and yeah, I think you're having a new title. I think that Jade's a great, like, dominant person for it. Um, but I also hope that she uh, stuffs Mark Sterling in a garbage can. I actually think now that it can't be Moxley that Hangman's first feud should be Cody. Just turn Cody fully heel. And it's a clear, it's a clear heel. It's a clear baby face. But I just don't, I don't know if Cody's going to do that. He's involved in the completely logical linear story of feuding with Aleister Black and Andrade and FTR on loan from the pinnacle while also proving himself to the nightmare factory uh, and not getting shot by Arn. Yeah, you try to make a reality show. Hey, you know, Tony Khan explained Andrade and uh, Alistair Black working together. What, what did he say? He said uh, that Malachi's wife was Andrade's manager and where he used to work, which is true. <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. That's what you get for not reading the yeah, footnotes. He just told the truth. He was just like, oh, remember that other company? Yeah, that's how they know each other. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I'll they buy that. Feuded. They kind of feuded over there. That's the only thing that's a little weird. Yeah, about yeah. It. How's how's Trinity? She's good. You want to work? Okay. <laughs> but I like that it's FTR with uh, with Andrade and Alistair Black. Just put Rusev in there and just say fuck. Just fuck it. <laughs> just just have them be uh, the the bitter ex WWE guys. And I think that's a great stable. Uh, you know what I realized is when Cody came out, people booed. Uh, people want Arn to wrestle. That's what I realized. Because <laughs> then yeah. Cody in- introduces Arn and people go apeshit. I feel like that it's just so bizarre. I've never seen a ma- I mean, it's been since Sable and Mark Mara, where a manager has been that much more over than the wrestler, right? Yeah, better tits on Arn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny too because it's like we just had the you know Cody lost to Malachi a few times. And then got his win back. And now it's like, I just don't want to see him do it again. Like, I, I know he's going to beat Andrade at some point. I have no interest in it, though. Does, does, are, are we jaded or are we the majority here? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're the majority. I mean, look at, look at the booze. Yeah. And does he have a match at is it is it gonna be him and Pac versus Andrade and Black at the pay-per-view? Has that been confirmed? That, that would be my guess, but I don't know. It seems yeah. the most logical for sure. Yeah. I think it works, man. I mean, Cody's matches are always entertaining. Always, every time. And the crowd is either booing or like, dude, this crowd isn't stupid. Like the, you know, people go, MJF, he gets he gets the most heat out of anybody. It's like every single person in the crowd is madly in love with MJF. And that's why they're booing him. It's like this crowd loves what they're watching and they started booing Cody and now they see what's going on. And so they're just leaning in on the booing. Like 
There's no actual hard feelings towards anybody in AEW but in that who crowd. Gets, who gets real heat? Do you think Cody gets actual heat compared to No, MVP? nobody does. The fans are too smart. They just enjoy the show. It's just, oh, you're awesome, so you get heat. Maybe QT got real heat for like a second. That's it. <laughs> I miss that guy. Yeah. yeah. None of it's real. It's all we, we're enjoying this. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought my, my overall thought on this episode was it definitely was like a in-betweener kind of thing. Like last week was really fun and the one before that too. And it's like now they're, they know what their destination is and they're just getting there. And here's some segments for you to nosh on until we're at the pay-per-view. Now, this was my first live Dynamite that I've watched in probably a year plus and uh, I missed getting to fast forward through commercials. Uh, I don't give a fuck about State Farm, and seeing it thirty times kind of drove me nuts. But you get that Parker promo. Like Parker's got to be in the in in the women's division at some point, right? Like we, we see her every fucking week. She's more over than Riho. <laughs> we see Parker's promo more than any other woman's <laughs> promo in AEW. Oh, man. I'm going to do a, a Twitter question now. I asked uh, the Twitterverse this week to uh, tell us why. Um, God, my computer's slow. But to tell us why Eddie Kingston is mad at CM Punk. So here we go. At Memphis uh, Mirden, uh, because Eddie's diet was going so well, until Punk showed up with 20,000 ice cream bars. At Chom1AK, Eddie Kingston is upset you think he needs a reason to be mad at someone. <laughs> at SmartNate01, Eddie heard Punk say that Giordano's makes a better pizza pie than Frank Pepe's. <laughs> at Big Red 10125 because Eddie, because Eddie ended up covering Colt Cabana's legal fees. <laughs> <laughs> at Bertland 19 because Eddie paid for one of CM Punk's UFC fights <laughs> I, I just like the idea of imagining Eddie Kingston paying for something um, at Drab Dabbler Punk stole Eddie's spot as the future 8th AEW commentator <laughs> at Smash and Slam 89 Eddie Kingston isn't mad at CM Punk he just couldn't figure out the childproof cap to his Zoloft and had an episode. <laughs> At Rusty Shackles, Eddie saw Punk way too close to Moxley's bags backstage, and he got worried that he was trying to take Eddie's job of carrying them. <laughs> and finally, at Lucha Safety Bros, Kingston thinks CM Punk calling his promo a pipe bomb was cultural appropriation. You see, a pipe bomb isn't a promo. A pipe bomb is something we used in the streets. To fight back our oppressors. That's a real, real pipe bomb, son. <laughs> That's Mike's on Twitter. And... <laughs> All right. High spot, low spot. Uh, let's let's start with the low spots. Uh, are we, we going to do uh, We Must Hit Ourselves World Cup? Are we doing that at the end? Oh, let's, uh, I'm sorry about that. Hey, let, let's yeah, do yeah. that. I'm really bad at this. No, um, it's no problem. We, we just, uh, this week for We Must Hit Ourselves World Cup, we're doing the librarian versus beaver cleavage. I'll start it out. Beaver cleavage is by far the worst, the worst gimmick, man. I mean, it just feels like they turned an episode of the honeymooners into an episode of true detective. It is 
real, real. And then, and then there's just this weird turn where he becomes a guy who beats her, um, which then is revealed that she's lied about it, which, which leads to like the reformation of the headbangers. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's really, uh, it's just ultimate, like, just throw a bunch of shit at the wall. I think this is this is like ultimate. Was Russo still here? He had to be here, right? Yeah, this oh. is Russo at the end. This is... Yeah, man, it's it's brutal. It's 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 a brutal character. I mean, he's not a bad wrestler. The librarian is just bad, I think, but it's like generically bad. It's just it's kind of just like a boring Halloween costume that became a gimmick. Um, but uh, you know, you know, I mean, I think there's an argument for who's the worst librarian. Ra- librarian. So if there's an argument for who's the worst librarian, then it's got to be, it's got to be, uh, got to be Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> so you're picking, you're picking Beaver Cleavage. Beaver the Cleavage is the worst gimmick. Yes. Okay, uh, Robert. Oh, it's not even close. Um, this is it was it was dumb because they spent money on pre-tapes for this and vignettes. Uh, it's dumb because Bruce Pritchard loves Leave It to Beaver. It's it's a shoot thing that he genuinely enjoys. And Jr. likes to do the uh, the the one line from the show where it's like, you're a little hard on the beaver last night because he thinks it's hilarious. And he says it 40, 50 times. Uh, yes. Anything that involves weird over the top stupid characters combined with spousal abuse combined with incest um never a good idea the librarian was you know i i I still don't understand what it was supposed to be i remember when they were like casting and they were like you know looking for people to be it and uh i miss uh leva bates she got blue pants over in nxt so she's definitely talented uh and could have gotten over. i don't think the librarian gimmick got a significant amount of time on TV to have a chance to really fail. But Beaver Cleavage was kind of every bad thing about wrestling combined at once. You were taking time away from more interesting stuff during the Attitude Era, uh, wasting talent, wasting money, and telling a story that was never going to go anywhere. Um, unless they somehow were going to tie it into like Firefly Funhouse 20-something years later. <laughs> I would love that. The entrance right, was I'm solid. Gonna- Sorry, what did you say, Scott? Beaver Cleavage's entrance was really solid. It was like NWO, but, you know, leave it to Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the match between Beaver Cleavage and, and Christian, and he Christian did the brute entrance, but by himself, and it's so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, just him coming up alone. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go next, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to the librarian because wow. – Here's why. It was while I was watching wrestling. <laughs> and a lot of the Attitude Era blurs together to me anyways. Like, honestly, I think there's like five other Attitude Era gimmicks as bad as this um, that lasted even longer. This is just Russo, Russoing. Um, it definitely takes an ugly turn. Uh, but, you know, at first, like, and it also, it didn't last that long. Like, the librarian lasted like a good while yeah it involved peter avalon on my television screen um and and i mean the idea of casting the gimmick and all of that and like let's have fun with it and let's be like tongue-in-cheek i i just i hate shit like sharknado i hate stuff that's like purposely kitschy 
like I, I like laughing at stuff that accidentally is, but this is like, let's try so hard to be funny and it's not funny. Um, I hate this gimmick. Uh, they're both terrible, but I'm going to go with the librarian. Uh, Scott, Over the subtle wit and witticism of beaver cleavage. They're both, dude, they're both no, terrible, but here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't watch beaver cleavage. I watched this shit. <laughs> All right. Well, Scott, you have the, is it going to be a, is it going to be a tie or a, a triple threat for the next round? Or is it, is it going to be, uh, are you going to, are you going to give it to somebody? I think I'm going to go a little hard on the beaver because beaver cleavage yeah. is the worst gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I, I just don't think it's cool. I mean, it's, it's such a great look. I appreciate the gimmick in the sense that it like, like they needed to go that far to be like, okay, well that's the, that far marker. We can't go past that far. Um, but it's, it's, it's truly brutal. Let me, let me, let me just say as someone who used the library in the last 10 years, um, librarians just shushing people that's not what they do if they wanted this to be realistic they would like kick joey janella out of somewhere for masturbating at porn or something. Like, yeah they would be saving people overdosing from heroin yeah they would they would tell virgil he has to go loiter somewhere else all right but it it seems like beaver cleavage won uh okay, slash moves, on. Lost. moves on i'm surprised i'm surprised it wasn't a clean sweep I mean, I just, you know, Peter Avalon, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, there's there's no real winners on this list. Pretty pretty Peter Avalon. Yeah. Peter Avalon. <laughs> <laughs> I was, he I does bump. He bumps pretty well. I mean, I think he bumps pretty well. Yeah. He bumps, he bumps, he bumps. <laughs> on youtube now <laughs> dude i was reading and like i, I like uh, about like the history of the librarian gimmick and i saw that there was a uh, a long like feud between him and brandon cutler and the whole thing yeah. was to see who who would get a win first um and uh you know brandon cutler's come a long way <laughs> brandon, yeah i mean I, 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 love, I love this character yeah, Brandon Cutler might get most improved of 2021. Um, I mean, Miro, man, but yeah, it's it, it, well. There you go. We'll we'll talk about it. Yes, or year end totally. next week. I mean, next month. Um, but high spot, low spot. Let's start with the low spot. Uh, Dan, uh, you you go ahead. Who? Me? Yes. Um. Yeah. Low I mean, spot. I didn't. I, you know, obviously, I feel uh, it, it. I feel bad for John Moxley and. You know, like he was, uh, you know, at a, at a, he's had a crossroads in his life, obviously. And and uh, also he was doing some amazing stuff in the ring, too. And um, I know when he comes back, he's going to be just as good. I do. I do feel a little weird. I mean, I think one of the reasons it's a low spot is just because I have a mixed. I, I feel like I shouldn't be talking about it. So maybe maybe not as many people should. Have, I think it's fine. I actually thought the statement that Tony released was great, but. I don't know if they needed to keep going back to, but you know, maybe he wants that out. I just know that some people, especially when they're in a vulnerable state like that, aren't going to want the attention called to it, which, you know, I guess I'm doing right now. So that, that's the only thing that I was kind of conflicted about. Yeah. Anyone else have thoughts on that? I, I, I felt a little weird about it, but it ultimately is his choice and we don't know what his 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all depends on what he, you know, what he wanted, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's also. Oh, sorry, go on, Scott. Well, no, I mean, look, I love Tony Khan's statement and and all of that, but I, I highly doubt John Moxley is giving CM Punk the go ahead to compare their situations, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's like, you know, every week CM Punk has come out and said how he had to walk away and he made hard choices and he made the hard choice. And, but this was an easy choice and this and that. And now this week it's like Moxley had to make a hard choice. Do you remember the hard choice I had to make? It's like, Jesus Christ, man. I thought it was like really cringe um, to the point of... How does Moxley not come back and Punk is the heel? It's so <laughs> uncomfortable. How does Moxley not feel so embarrassed for CM Punk uh, in, 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 in speaking that way? I understand acknowledging it. I think it's really cool that they acknowledge it up top. Uh, it's just to drag it into your story. And, I, you know, getting to Eddie and Eddie's not here, okay, okay, if Moxley approved. But it's the going back to the I had to make a hard decision when I left, and I understand that which is kind of like, hey, we don't need to hear this part right now. It's very self-serving, um, but, you know, cult of personality, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, my, my low spot, on, and it comes from this, is, uh, look, we, we, we do this show, we do this show in, in jest. We, we make fun of AEW and WWE and go at each other's throats. There were a number of assholes I saw on Twitter who turned this into a WWE versus AEW thing when this has nothing to fucking do with that. There was no place for it. There's no there's no excuse for it. There's no justification for it. Um, th this is obviously a very personal thing going on with someone who just had a baby a little while ago. He's got to be going through a lot of turmoil. Renee is going through a lot of turmoil. This is a very difficult time uh this is not the time to bring up a a wrestling war between companies and the the people who who did that and wanted to say what they wanted to say like really think about what the fuck you're doing with yourselves um not everything is wrestling uh especially something as as intimate and personal as that and the reasons for sharing it and, the, and the, were whatever they may have been and the and the intentions behind it, even Punk's misguided promo was in a way trying to say like, go and get help if you need to go and get help. Um, people find a way to absolutely just make everything ugly and hateful. And uh, that's, uh, that's sometimes the, the, the hallmark of the wrestling community. So that was definitely my low spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to believe we, we are a podcast that, that knows and understands that there is more to life than just wrestling and i mean yeah these people on twitter that just feud and debate this shit and like and have real stakes and who's gonna win it's like vince is a billionaire tony khan's a billionaire you're 38 and still watching wrestling you lost <laughs> so comparing wrestlers substance abuse problems i mean that's just yeah. a losing <laughs> i mean that's just a, without a doubt a losing battle um but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, my, my only thing about it was I just felt like it was, I, 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 I'm glad people were talking about it. I just, uh, 
Yeah, you just hope that the person gets, you know, the help that they need and that uh, it's not going to just turn into, you know, an angle or it's going to turn into like, you know, the Jake the Snake, you know, Jerry the King Waller thing at King of the Ring. And, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's, I can't imagine me because, you know, I've some, I'm somebody who struggled with, you know, not drinking. I mean, I'm not drinking now, but like I, I've definitely struggled with it. And, uh, and I don't even have to go through, I don't have to go through the physical pain these guys go through. So, uh, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be on the road, to be taking all these bumps, you know, then be getting on a tiny plane to get home. I mean, your body's just got to be in constant agony, you know, and if you're on the road, you have access to all sorts of shit. So yeah. yeah like phone number. <laughs> yeah i mean let's you know let's give kudos to to any wrestler who decides to get help because not every wrestler can get help some have to still tag team with their brother against the street profits on a sunday <laughs> i don't know i mean we don't know you know there's two ways there's two ways to do it you know it's just I, I feel okay making fun of Uso because there was driving involved and risking other people's lives. No, um, I don't. I mean, you know, like, I, no, I think you're fine to make that joke. Yeah, no, that was, and that was the same. That was the same reason I was pissed. Off. You know, that put people in jeopardy. This is someone trying to make a yeah. decision to make his life better and and correct something that was a problem. And what's putting an, a spotlight on this for him is the fact that his book came out this week. And so there've been all these excerpts that have been published from his book. And so there's all this talk about Moxley independent of this, this rehab thing. It's obviously not ideal time. This is not the way that, uh, you know, he envisioned this happening. Um, And, and something definitely expedited this for him to feel he needs to go and get this kind of help. And hopefully, you know, it it does work and, uh, and, and things are better for him and Renee. All right, uh, Scott, what's your low spot? Oh, man. So I just got a low spot, dude. This happened like 15 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> so hold on. Let's. Okay. So this happened on Twitter. Uh, Samurai Del Sol. And again, I'm sorry for saying he fucking sucked. Uh, I was thinking of Sin Cara when I said that. All right. Oh, that, okay. was, that was is great. Yeah. So anyway, um, so, so Samurai Del Sol, he wrote on Twitter 24 minutes ago. Yeah, uh, pray. He wrote, prayed and talked to John, uh, and then in parentheses, Brody Lee, before my match. Thank you for showing me your home AEW and giving me the strength and energy I needed today. Forever you're in my heart, Hermano, right? Uh, he spelled John J-O-H-N, and which who cares? It's J-O-N. But Chris Jericho retweeted it and wrote, you spelled his name wrong. <laughs> and dude, there is not a single comment that is not yelling at Chris Jericho. Jericho, <laughs> Jericho tweeted this less than 20 minutes ago. It is, it, it is 111 quote tweets right now, and all of them are calling Jericho a giant piece of shit, and why, why did you do this? I mean, it's still less crazy than that uh, World Trade Center photo. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that, my gosh. Dude, so funny. That's yeah, the low spot like... of the century. <laughs> <laughs> But what a what an absolute jerk off! I mean, why do that? He said he prayed to Brody Lee. He put an H in John, which uh, I mean, he's right in my eyes, right? But uh, yeah, he goes, "You spelled his name wrong." Ugh, so so corny. No, maybe it's just like it. fucking just hammered and just. Maybe like- it's a bit they have amongst each other. I mean, that's another thing, you know, if they know each other and that's a thing. He always spells everybody's whatever, but. It's just, it comes off very stupid. I don't know, man. That feels like a real Dan Lambert move to me. 
<laughs> I'm sure he'll delete it, but yeah. Be, being mad about how a Hispanic man spells uh, English words feels like a very Dan Lambert characteristic. <laughs> uh, my my low spot uh, is gonna be that uh, we we uh, roasted Nick Gage over the weekend and had to talk about Nick Gage and acknowledge the existence of Nick Gage. Nick Gage. Uh, all right, moving on to. Oh wait, dude, dude! I have a, I, I have my Nick Gage joke, so I'll say them on this week's Patreon. Okay, that yeah. sounds great. Awesome. Nice. We're gonna be covering World War Three. Um, all Nick right, Gage jokes. Yeah, <laughs> Dan, what is your high spot of the week? Oh, I mean, like Brian Danielson for Eddie Kingston, match of the year candidate in my mind. I loved it. Um, you know, thought I told a great story. I, I really enjoyed the angle with him and Punk afterwards yeah you know like that guy you know eddie kingston's like almost like mcfoley in the side well, i don't think he's as good of a worker as mcfoley but like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether or not he looks athletic he tells an amazing story and i mean brian danielson's just i mean there's an argument that he's the greatest wrestler of all time i mean i understand he's not like you know close to the biggest star or anything but as far as just being an all-around great baby face great heel Great in-ring technician, great promo. I mean, I don't know anybody who scores higher than that guy. So that's my ain't wrong. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what was your high spot? So I have two. Um, the one was uh, Stars Renewed Heels, which was a, uh, a a really great. If you haven't gone out of your way to uh, see it, go out of your way and find it. Season one was awesome. It's a great uh, drama that takes wrestling seriously. Uh, Stephen Amell is really good on it. Michael Waldron, who created it, is a huge wrestling fan. It's it's absolutely awesome. I'm thrilled that they're bringing that back. And then the second one, um, which Mike brought to our attention, is John Morrison's Halloween costume dressed as Dave Meltzer <laughs> was just the the fucking best uh put this man on television every week as this character and it would be it would be awesome john morrison is dope nice scott dope 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 uh yeah man my my high spot has to be what dan said that kingston brian danielson match was unbelievable um other than that i guess i can bring up the moxley thing and say it's a positive that he's getting help so yeah those things yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, and, you know, and, and I'll just, like, say about the thing, like, you know, yeah, Punk's promo felt weird at times, but if it does help somebody, then then that's great, um, and, you know, that's all you could hope for, and, yeah, you should get help if you feel you need it. Um, it's and pretty I'll crazy, man, that fucking Punk has never touched a drug or a drink and being in that <laughs> business. I cannot imagine not doing that at some point. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really it really uh, gives the whole leave for seven years and then come back thing a lot more clarity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say. Mike. Oh, Mike tried to be positive. His computer froze. <laughs> did he already say his high spot anyway? I think he did. Sure. Um, let's say let's say he did. All right. Well, he'll probably be back, but. Uh, guys, just next week, we're doing Rusty City Whopper. Uh, for Show and Hell, we're going to be doing the uh, Goonies music video where she's she sang the Goonies theme. 
Dynamite are done. We must hit ourselves World Cup. Eugene versus that 70s guy. High spot, <laughs> a low spot. So should be a fun, fun episode. Thank you, Mike, for stepping in. I needed a little uh, R&R break. Um, but, you know, from all the heavy lifting I do, uh, talking about wrestling. Hey, even even Regis took a day off, Dan. You're okay. Yeah, every once in a while, right? Uh, but yeah, follow us on Facebook. Join our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Blah blah blah. Check out our video on YouTube. Our best of video. Uh, Scott. Yeah, Scott underscore Chaplin on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Wrestle Roast on Twitter, and I'll be at Skankfest all weekend in yeah, uh, yeah. in Texas. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, are you doing the? Are you? Did you write for the Rosta Gomez? Oh, I did. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm excited to see it. Hell yeah, Robert. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWE Creative underscore ISH. And if you are at the ten dollar Patreon level, something is sports entertainment. Uh, Dan and I broke down Raw this past Monday. It was uh, it was a fun episode of Raw. And then we also, for some reason, for about five minutes, just talked about uh, quarterbacks in the NFL because sometimes that's what happens on something is sports entertainment. With you, just you can only say so much about uh, a Bianca Belair promo and segment. But uh, it was a lot of fun. If you're if you're not on the ten dollar tier, you know, give it a try. As Dan always says, it's the best deal in Patreon. In so, Patreon history. Patreon history. history. Sorry, take that <laughs> yeah, other yeah. Patreons. Take that, Conrad. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what we should do next. Are we doing raw again next week? I mean, you got to tweet raw, so I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll I'll definitely want to doing raw, but we'll see uh, um, if we do a second show or not. Yeah. All right. Mike. Yeah, Mike Lawrence Comedy. Uh, and I'm on the Facebook group sometimes. All right, folks. We will see you next week. The Roast of Cindy Whopper switching it up. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>